that he will go all out to save. He spares nothing, and he spared nothing to save us, man. He sent his son so that we could be saved, saved from hell to be able to go to heaven. Ugh, that's what I'm talking about. Stoked. I'll give a whoo. Well, this morning we're going to veer off from our series, Christ Revealed, from the book of uh, Revelation. And in that, I want to be able to give you a short history of our church and its main vision of the church, but also to give you um, the vision that I believe the Lord has been showing, uh, showing me to be able to share with you for this year. Now, again, um, I've been asking you guys the last couple of weeks to just pray and fast if you wanted to, but to be able to just spend this time in prayer and fasting to be able to say, Lord, what do you want? You know, I, I, I kind of knew last month, the month before, I, it, it just, I mean, I start praying like, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me, for us as a church? And so, again, man, I, I knew basically what God was just laying on my heart. And, and a couple of weeks ago, it's like, God, just pray for me, you know, because I really want to be able to deliver this to you in such a way that you're going, dude, right on. We're on it. I, I know sometimes I, my, my emotions, I guess, my enthusiasm can, can kind of like reach way up here, you know. And, uh, and, and, and I've been telling people, you know, if I can't convey it right, just, just follow me. Just follow me in this vision um, as I follow Christ, and you'll, and you'll see it. You'll, you'll catch it, because I might not be able to convey it um, eloquently, for sure. <laughs> but, but I want to be able to share with you what God is doing in our lives here. Proverbs 9, and I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today. Proverbs 29 Verse 18 is a very important verse for me. And not just as a pastor is it important to me, but it has always been important to me as a Christian and as an individual, as it should be for all of us as Christians and individuals, as it should be for the churches that seek and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. For without Him, we can do nothing. And again, you can be turning to all these scriptures, trying to keep up, but I'm going to try to go quickly. I have them written down here, so write them down. Go back to them. <clears throat> but Proverbs 29, 18, I want to read it to you in several different versions so, so that we can get a fuller and even a complete picture of the simple one verse that, that he gives us in, in Proverbs 29, 18, beginning with the New King James Version, which I teach out of, <clears throat> it says, Where there is no revel revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, the NIV is very similar to the, to the New King James, where it says, where, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed and happy are the same word right there. But the, the New Living Translation says it like this. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. The King James, the old King James, says it like this. 
For there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And one of my other favorites is the Amplified, of course, where it says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Now, I like all those translations. I I like them all. And I like to do that because I want to see if there's a better way to say it sometimes. Now, my favorite would happen to be the old King James because that is the way I first learned that verse. And when I am quoting that verse, I quote it with the King James. Because again, I love the way it, it just kind of tells us, it's like, if there is no vision, the people perish. You know, the, the New Living Translation is like, they just run wild. <laughs> There's just like, there is no restraint in your life if there is no direction, no vision for, for your life, you know? And, and so, I like all of them. And I've always prayed for vision in my life. <laughs> I think we should always be praying for a fresh revelation in our lives, for our lives individually but as a church as as well. And not that that there is anything new under the sun, that He is going to reveal something to us that He has never revealed in all of history. It's not that, because there is nothing new under the sun. But the Word of God is living and it is active, and it is so powerful that it can bring about a freshness in your life every time you read it. Oh, I know that there's days it's like, got nothing. <laughs> Read it, didn't understand a thing. That's why I go to other, other versions just to see. It's like, maybe I'm missing it. But I could guarantee you, man, he wants to give you a freshness in your life every time you read his word. He wants to just get you going because we are to be led by the word of God. We are to be guided by the word of God. As we acknowledge him, the Bible tells us that he directs our path, and it is all because the word of God. It gives us understanding. It it enlightens our eyes, if you will, so that we would know and can know the hope of his calling. Four years ago, I became the pastor of this church. I've been here for 28 years, going on 29. I don't know if that's anything to clap out. I just, I, I, I just don't want to go anywhere. I love this place. I love this community. I love you. I love the people. I, 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 I've been here all this time. And, and, you know, I was just telling one of the brothers this morning, I have no clue why he chose me to be up here. No clue. I wouldn't have chose me. But he sees something that maybe I don't. I don't know. I'm not the most intelligent. I I, I barely graduated from high school. But for 36 years, I've been reading the Word of God, and he has directed me, and he has guided me. And so with that, I'll say, I'll do it. I'll put myself out there. I'll be the guy that takes over. I'll do it. Until you say otherwise, Lord Jesus, I will do it. And so four years ago, you know, um, the Lord put me in this position And I began to pray for vision because I'm a good maintainer. (laughs) I I, I could follow people, man. No big deal, man. I will prop you up. 
And so I started praying for vision. And it's not that I hadn't prayed for vision, because I've always prayed for vision for me personally as a Christian. I've always prayed for vision when I was involved in whatever ministry I was involved with. I always prayed for vision, and in that, always under my pastor's vision, whatever his vision was, I wanted to fall in line with that and just excel as much as I could without him having to, 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 to micromanage what I'm doing because it's like, no, I got it. I'm, I'm helping you. I'm coming along the way. I'm coming alongside And so as I took over and as I began to pray for vision, the Lord was so faithful to show me, to show me our vision. But it had to be for me first. It truly had to be for me. Because there was no way that I could come and say, here's a vision, go. Without me saying, hey, follow me, I'm going with you. Because I don't want to leave from behind, I want to leave from from being in front. Because if it's not being ministered to my heart first, I have no credibility to hand it over to you guys and to tell you guys, this is what I feel like the Lord is sharing with us. And this is what he he shared with me uh, so it would become solidified in my heart four years ago and then to be able to share it to you. And it was simple, a simple little, and and I'm not going to go into all the detail, but it was simple. It was just upreach, in-reach, outreach. Simple. That's what's on our bulletin all the time. That is our main vision for our church. That, 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 is, that is what we want to expand from. That there will always be upreach in our life, always be in-reach in our life, but always desiring to go beyond, to go outreach, to go do stuff out there. And it will continue to be the vision for this church until something else, if ever, changes. And he leads us and guides us in a, in a d- different direction. But it will always be along those same lines. But if we can take that vision personally of upreach, inreach, outreach, then it would look something like this for us personally. With, with upreach, it would be, Lord, I need you. I need you so desperately. It, it, it would look like this in, in, in reach. Lord, we need you. We all need you so desperately as a congregation, as a corporate church. We need you. And then it would look like this. Lord, we need to reach out <laughs> because they need you. They need you so desperately, Lord. And that's why when we sing that song, I'm desperate for you, man. It's just, it's like, Lord, that's what we need. We need to be that desperate for you that you are every breath. You are every movement. You are everything. Because if that kind of a vision can be just embedded in our DNA as individual Christians and as a church, then there is no telling what God can do and will do in you, in us, and in our community, and beyond our community. There is no stopping us. Because again, when, when, when a vision like that happens in our life, and, and for me, even personally going, okay, Lord, <laughs> I will do that. I will upreach, I will inreach, and I will outreach. But I have to do it personally. It has to be embedded in me. 
to be able to say, hey, guys, I'm out there. I'm going for it. I'm upreaching. I'm inreaching. I'm out, outreaching, man. Come on, follow along. Let's go for it. And the scriptures that go along, go along with upreach, inreach, and outreach is the upreach is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Again, jot these things down, check them out, tattoo them on your arm, whatever you want to do with them. But upreach in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says, God is faithful by whom we were called into the fellowship of His Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the utmost right there. We are called to fellowship with Jesus. We cannot neglect Jesus in our life daily because we cannot breathe without Him. We, you want direction for your life? Inreach or upreach. Upreach every moment of the day. However you have to do it, upreach. That you would be that desperate for Him that there is a fellowship that is happening between you and Him that you guys are like one. Just like you are with your spouse, that you are that close and that intimate. Because once that kind of relationship gets going, <laughs> then there's no telling. When, when, when you are that in intimate and in communication with our Lord Jesus Christ that you're upreaching, then, then again, He will be faithful to do what He has called you to do. If you answer that call of fellowshipping with Him. The inreach would look like this in first, uh, or in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. This is the inreach. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the peace, of the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. <clears throat> Guys, if we get this relationship going, and then we get this relationship going as well, to where we are here to, to walk worthy of the calling, but, but to do it with lowliness, do it in gentleness, do it with long suffering, and then we bear with one another in love, and we are always striving to keep unity, then there's no telling what God will do with us as a little church here in Phelan. There's no telling. And again, I get excited about that because I've seen in these past four years what God has been doing as people were upreaching and people were inreaching. People were being just, just solidified in their faith and they've gone deeper. And then the outreach portion of it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, And you shall have power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, there's no telling what God can do with you, with me, with us. If, if, if our relationship with Him is just like on the regular, on the daily, and we are fellowshipping with one another to where it is odd when you are not here, <laughs> because you know how important it is to inreach with one another. Because, guys, this is the safest place you're going to be all day long. <laughs> Everything has to be about Jesus when we're in this place. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Jim. It's not about anybody. 
It's about Jesus when we're in this place. That's why it's important that we gather together and get our instructions, right? Get our boldness, you know, get ready to go out there. Because once we head on out, then we will have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to reach not only Jerusalem, home base, but Judea, uh, the surrounding areas, and, and Samaria, which was a little bigger, and then to the ends of the earth. There's no telling. So from that time, four years ago, to the present, God has been faithful to move us under the banner of upreach, inreach, and outreach. And, 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 and adding to that vision year after year, I remember, and I was going back in time, going back in my notes, going, okay, man, how did all this fall in place? And so it went from upreach, inreach, outreach to full steam ahead. I remember that year because it just seemed like after taking over, okay, um, my leadership was different than my pastor's leadership. I knew it would take a year to turn everything around and say, okay, now I got my bearings. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's, let, let, let's go full steam ahead. Let's not even wait around, man. Let's just go for it. And then the year after that was deeper. It's like, let's get away from the shore, right? Let's go into deeper waters where we cannot touch the floor. And now we have to sink or swim. We have to trust that Jesus is in it. And not just you or not just this church. And not go back to the shore where it's really, really comfortable, isn't it? When, when your feet are like on stable ground, even if it's sand. It's like, but I'm comfortable here. You're in the water, but it's like, no, go out to the deep. See what happens. And all of a sudden you're going, whoa, I never thought God can do this. And then last year was stay the course. Stay the course. Don't be moved. Don't be moved by anything that happens in your life from here on out. From here on out, there's no turning back. There's, there's storms ahead, and it, you will be in a safe place if you're upreaching and inreaching because those things that are, the pressures that are coming in from the outside, man, you're going to be stable if you're gathered around other believers. If your relationship with Jesus is on track, man, there's no stopping us. And I think... The, the natural progression that went along with that is what the Lord has laid on our heart or laid on my heart for us this year, and it is go, therefore. Go. Go. <laughs> it's like, go where? It's like, no, go. Go, therefore. Making disciples of all nations, as, as we'll get into our text. If you will, then turn to our text, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 the last verses of that gospel. And the main verse for our vision is verse 19. Go therefore. And it's basically that. Go therefore dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and that's what we will be referring to all this year. Because we're going to go. And so in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away to Gal into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things 
that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Amen. As we look at verses 16 and 17, it says that the, 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 the 11 disciples came away and they, they got away or they went away to Galilee. He had been crucified and killed and all this stuff down in Jerusalem, but, but he had told them to meet them up there. Yes, he had, he had talked to them already and, and showed himself, but he says, go meet me in Galilee. And so they go up to Galilee. They were obedient to be there. And it says, and the 11 disciples were there. Now, if you know anything about the gospel and about Jesus' ministry, you know that when he, he chose men, he chose 12 men to be with him to follow after him, to learn of him, and to learn from him. In other words, they were to imitate Jesus, and they were to become more like him in their life. Why? Because he was the salt of the earth. He was the light of the world. And he says, imitate me in those things. Now, there would be many other disciples that would follow after Jesus. And some are mentioned, but for the most part, most are not. And that is important for us to note, especially as we get into this vision that we have here. Because not everybody was in the inner circle with Jesus. Only, uh, only Peter, James, and John were in that inner circle But Peter, James, and John, that inner circle was part of the 12 that he had chosen. And that 12 was part of the 70 that he had sent out at one time. And that 70 was part of the masses and the many that followed after Jesus. But they were all disciples following after him. But he had chosen 12 to be close to him, to to follow after him. And then he chose three of those 12 to kind of, I don't know if he just kind of like said, hey, I got to keep an eye on you guys a little bit more. I don't think they were anything more special. I think they were just knuckleheads that he just thought, you three hang out right next to me. I can't trust you guys, but you guys will be called the inner circle. (laughs) Now, going back to the 12, though, many of us can name off a couple of the disciples some of us, a few. Several, you know, some of us can also name off several of them. But more often than not, we cannot name off all 12 of the disciples off the bat. Unless they just taught it to you in Sunday school or whatever. Or, or, or you just like, you know, learned a song with them. I don't know. But most of the time, we can't even remember all of them. But we remember some. Most of us would remember Judas Iscariot, Right? You know, he's the one that backstabbed Jesus. He's the one that betrayed Jesus. And I think oftentimes we, we sometimes forget about him as being part of the 12. Just because it's like we don't want to think about that cat. He was mean. He was, he, he was cruel. But Jesus chose him nonetheless, right? To come and be part of the 12. But do you remember who took his place? Do you remember the guy's name? <laughs> Matthias. <laughs> Matthias, some of you guys is like, oh yeah, I, I know Matthias. But who was he chosen over? Do you remember him? Because those two guys were in the running. <laughs> that was Joseph, called 
Barsabbas, whose surname was Justice. It's like, how do you remember? I can't remember that guy. He has three different names. But it's interesting because it's like, oh, yeah, we forgot there was two running after Judas killed himself. But here's the 11 in verse 16 that were with Jesus in Galilee. And it's taken from, from, from Matthew chapter 10. But, but here, here they are. It's Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. And some think that they may have been brothers, that Bartholomew might be the... the uh, um, Nathaniel from John chapter 1, quite possibly, I don't know. But who knows Bartholomew anyways, right? No. Thomas, then there's Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Labias, whose surname was Thaddeus, also went by the name of Judas, the son of James. And then there, there was uh, Simeon, the Canaanite, who is also known as uh, Simeon the Zealot. So some of those you are familiar with, you're going, oh, yes, 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 I remember. Now the reason that I bring all these men up, and in regards to the vision for us as a church, to go therefore, is because they all played a different role in the church and within the kingdom of, of God. They all played a different role. Most of them are never mentioned after Acts chapter 1. When they're up in the upper room, remember, and they are going to choose uh, the, the, the other guy, the, the, the twelfth. After that, you never hear of most of these men. Except for a few. As a church... We will look like this group of people. Because we look at, at the 12 here, and, and some of them are never mentioned ever again. We, we, we don't know, you know, most of you don't know what happened to them. But if you look them up, you know, history tells us that, that, that one of them went up to Asia, another one went to India, another one went to, to Europe, and, and they just kind of went to their different directions. But they were all used in a powerful way, don't get me wrong. But we really don't know about them. And they're almost obscure. And so all of them, though, in, John, or in Matthew chapter 28, all of them were told to go, therefore. All of them. He didn't just say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a little command here, a little, a little commission. But I'm only sending Peter, James, and John because they're the most boisterous. He didn't do that. He didn't say, hey, I'm just going to pick the guys that can speak. No, he picked all of them. He chose all of them. And he commanded all of them to go, therefore. And as a church, we will look and be as different as these men. It, it tells us in verse 17 that when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, it was probably Thomas, because everybody knows him as Doubting Thomas. But notice that it doesn't say that when, that, that when they doubted, or those who doubted, he got rid of. <laughs> he didn't. 
He didn't get rid of the ones that were going, I don't know about this whole thing, man. I don't know if this is going to come to pass or not. I don't know. I don't know what they were doubting. But he didn't get rid of them. No, I truly believe that even though they were who they were, he still used them and he still sent them out. And what we see here in, in, in these verses is upreach, inreach, and outreach. Why? Because they worshiped Jesus. And they were gathered together with Jesus and with one another. And then what we see will happen is that he will send them out. So there was upreach, inreach, and he was going to outreach and send them out. And so in verses 18 to 20 at the end here, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Not some. All authority has been given to me. And throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we see that Jesus had authority to teach. We see that he had authority to heal. He had authority to to forgive even. But he also gave authority to others. Those who were following after him, he commanded them throughout the, the Gospel of Matthew, go and preach. Go and heal the sick. Go cast out demons and even raise people from the dead. That's the authority that he was giving these guys that some even doubted about. <laughs> some guys that we don't even know about really. But they were, they were sent out and he gave them some authority to go do these things. So out of our text, Jesus says to the eleven, all authority... All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He had all the authority that God the Father had, God had given to him in heaven and on earth. And it says this as he is about, or he says this as he is about to give them the great commission as it's called. The great order or charge, if you will, to go, therefore. Now, we also see throughout the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. And I think he wanted his disciples, because he mentioned it often, I think he wanted his disciples not only to understand his compassion, but to have his compassion. In Matthew 9, 36 to 38, It says, but when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. In, in, in Matthew 14, 14, it says, And Jesus said, or, and when Jesus went out, he saw the, a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. In Matthew 15, 32, it says, Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude. 
because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. I think Jesus wanted them to know his compassion, but he wanted them to have that compassion. Oh, Jesus could have done the work, and he did a lot of the work that needed to be done, but he often told his disciples to go, take care of the people. He often told them, go, take care of the things that need to get done. Even when it had to do with, hey, go get me that colt. You're going to see it when you go in here, this is going to happen. And then when he goes, hey, go prepare the place for us in the upper room. Simple instructions. Jesus could have said, you know what, I'll, I'll do it. If you want anything done right, let Jesus do it. He didn't do that. He could have. He could have called the angels and said, you know what, these knuckleheads will probably mess it up. So let's just get this done. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't call the angels down from heaven and says, hey, let's take care of this. He uses men. He uses the disciples. These 12 guys that were close to him, he sends them out. He sends them out. Hey, go take care of these people, man. They're so hungry. I don't want to send them away. He already knew that he was going to feed them with whatever. But he wanted them to go find the food. He wanted them to go bring, bring it to him. It's like, this is the measly stuff we have. He goes, oh, I could work with that. I could feed all these people with what you've brought me. Just those little offerings, man. I could use that. Go take care of these things for me. Jesus never sent them out, though, in their own authority. He never did that. He never sent them on their own. <laughs> he always sent them two by twos. They were to go in his authority. They were to go, as he is saying here, with all the authority that has been given to me on, in heaven and on earth, I'm telling you, go. Go. <laughs> in other words, they didn't have to manufacture anything. All they had to be is distributors of what Jesus was giving them. They didn't have to come up with it. <laughs> and I just think that's awesome. Because he's not telling us, hey, you manufacture the gospel and then go distribute it. No, he has given us the gospel. He has manufactured the gospel. He, is, he has the template. He has it. And he just calls us to go and execute it. To go and do it. That's all we got to do. Then he gave them this great commission, this great order, this, this great charge, if you will, to go, therefore. And it was with the idea or notion that as you are going, is, is what it means where it says go, therefore. As you are going. In other words, it was with the perception that they were already on their way. I, I think as Christians, it would be safe to say that we would sometimes say, you know, because we know what the promises are, that, that we are on our way to heaven. As a Christian, you have that assurance. We can say that, man. We, we, we could say, hey, we're just passing through, man. We're just passing through. We're just pilgrims on this earth. The world is not our home. We have a home in glory that outshines the sun. You know, we, we could get crazy about that. It's like, heck yes, 
That's what we got, man, to look forward to. And so as we are going (laughs) with that mindset, knowing that our home is in heaven, as we are going, make disciples of all nations along the way. That's what he's telling us. In other words, invite others to come along to heaven with you. (laughs) Stop and talk to others about what Jesus has offered you, eternal life. As you are going, do these things. Pick them up along the way. (laughs) Take your time. There's no rush. You'll get there soon enough. But as you are going, do these things. And if you are or you call yourself a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, then do this. Clone yourself. Clone myself. Make other disciples that look just like you. (laughs) And I know what some of you are like, "Mm mm-mm. Shame on you. Make other disciples that are just like you. And if you're going, I don't like the way I I am a disciple, then fix it. So that you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Do you want a good example of what a disciple looks like? Look at my life. That's what you should be saying. You're going, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Paul said it many times. And you're going, but that's the Apostle Paul. Guess what? He was flesh and blood just like you and I. He was, truly. But you know what? He had an amazing upreach in his life. (laughs) He had an amazing inreach in his life. And you know what his heart was? To do outreach all the time. All the time. And so clone yourself and make disciples that look and act just like you. Because you are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. That's what Matthew chapter 5 tells us. And as you do that, in this commission to go therefore, as you do that, baptize them. Submerge them and immerse them in what you know of the Father, what you know of the Son, and what you know of the Holy Spirit. And you're going, oh, Zeke, man, you're, you're like pushing the envelope here. I don't know that much. We'll get to know it. In the most simplest forms, peeps. In the most simplest forms to where you could go teach it to some little kids back here. And then that's what you share. (laughs) This is just a big Sunday school class. (laughs) I'm just like a Sunday school teacher. (laughs) It's simple, guys. It really is. Baptize them. Submerge them. Immerse them in what you know. And as you're doing that... Teach them. Pour into them. Show them by example what to do to know the Word of God. Because you have been taught by the Word of God. And so he says, teach them. Pour into them. Show them. Show them what you have learned from the Word of God. Again, all of this is pointing back to knowing Jesus and knowing His Word, isn't it? In the most simplest forms, people. You've been saved for a week, two weeks, man. What did he do in your life? Oh, he saved me. Go tell somebody. Go tell them. It's that easy. If they say, well, I don't quite understand the Trinity. It's like, I haven't even heard that word yet. I don't know what that means yet. But I know he saved my soul. 
cut and dry. That's it. Now, I know that this great commission, this great order or charge, if you will, to go therefore can be pretty, pretty frightening. And it could have been to the 11 that day when Jesus commanded them to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just in Jerusalem or in Galilee, but of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all the commandments that you have learned. I'm sure it was pretty scary for those guys, especially Thaddeus. And you go, why, what, what Thaddeus? It's like, I don't know about Thaddeus. But he was told to go. He might have been really stinking shy. And that's why we don't, he does, we don't have a book of Thaddeus. Or we don't have him, you know, like doing... But Thaddeus went. Bartholomew, he went. All these guys went because Jesus told them, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the, of the age. I am with you. They weren't going in their, their own, own authority. They were being sent out by Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, and by the way, I'm going with you. And I'm sure they're like, but see, he had already told them, hey, I am going to leave but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will come again, and I will come into you through the Holy Spirit. So now, as these 11 took off, Jesus was with each one of them. I don't know how many people are in this room right now, but guess what? As you go out in the authority of Jesus Christ, he says, I am with you, and I am with you, and I am with you, and all of you, all of you. That's who I'm with, all of you. You're not going to go by yourself even if you feel by yourself. And in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, the Apostle Paul discovered this to be true in his own life. Even though he was not one of the 11 or one of the 12, he says he was a disciple uh, born out of, out of time or whatever, something like that. But he comes to Jesus a little later, but somehow he knows this great commission. And he discovers this in Acts chapter 18 when he goes into to, to establish a church in a very difficult city, a very perverse city of Corinth. And he obeys this great commission, this, this order, this charge. When Paul comes into the city, he wins people to Christ. He starts telling them about Christ. He wins them over, he begins to baptize them, and he taught them the word of God. And when the going got tough for Paul, he had a special visit from Jesus himself in Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And he said this to him, Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city can you imagine what that did to him when he got up, when he woke up? It's like, no problemo here. I'm ready to go. Why? Because I'm not going in my own authority. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Yes, I'm sure he was going, it was a tough day yesterday, Jesus. I just want to quit maybe. I don't know. And he's going, hey, don't be afraid. I am with you. I will go with you. You see, the 11... We're not going in their, their own authority, nor are you. You're not going in your own authority. You're not going in, in my authority. 
You're not going in the authority of Calvary Chapel of Phelan. You're going in the authority of Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior. They weren't going to be alone. And it's not like he said, hey, I'm just picking James, Peter, James, and John. No, he picked all of them. He chose all of them. He sent all of them. And guess what? Those 11 guys, as they went out from this place, they spread it to the rest of the brothers. They probably had a lot of inreach going on. And by Acts chapter 2, dude, man, Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they did a crazy outreach that day. They just started going for it. And thousands get saved. Whoa. Now they're looking it's like, what do we do? It's like, I don't know. Let's teach them. Let's baptize them. Let, let, let's go for it. Jesus already commanded us. He's already given us his spirit. We don't have to make it up. He's with us. And you know what? They changed the world. They changed the world. Here we are today. Today. Because the 11 disciples took it serious. They took it seriously when he said, go therefore. They took it seriously. They didn't say, what did he really mean by that? They They didn't question. They went. And I believe that the Lord is calling the church, the body of Jesus Christ, today to go therefore. Now, I know that he has called me here to Calvary Chapel of Feeling. I know that. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if he has called you to be here at Calvary Chapel of Feeling, that this is your home church, I believe that we as this little church here in the high desert, are going to be in the forefront of this call. I truly believe that. It has just been stirring, honestly, for the last few years. But I believe that we're going to see more of what God has called us to do as we go. Therefore, I believe he's called us for this time in history. Guys, this time in history is crazy, isn't it? Christians aren't the most popular. (laughs) But you know what he's called us to do? Take ground. Why? Because people are dying out there. People are going to hell. And we should have that compassion, you know, that as we look out, we're going, people are dying. Our own family is dying. I believe he has called us to take ground for the kingdom of heaven in our homes on our jobs, in our recreation, we're, you know, in our community and beyond that. Wherever we find ourselves, I believe God wants to take ground in the simplest form that you know how. Praying for the people that you work with. Going home and being a better husband, a better wife, a, a, a better mother, a better father, man. Saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disciple my kids. That's all I can disciple. It's like, right on. That's the most important thing you could possibly do. Or your grandkids. Or whoever's next to you. To say, I don't know much, but I'm going to read the Gospel of Matthew and I'm going to follow Jesus' life right here. That's what I'm going to do. If he had compassion, I want compassion on the people you have compassion for, Lord. I want to do that. Guys, the doors are so open for us in this community. Gosh, they are so open. 
I am so excited <clears throat> for some of the open doors that he's already opened for us to just be in, be in our community. Whether it's in the schools, whether it's, it, it's on, on the soccer fields or the baseball fields or in dance or in band or if you're motorcycling, whatever you're into. Man, it is wide open. And they're clamoring for salvation. And you're going, no, they're not. It's like, oh, yes, they are. If you could look beyond what they're saying and look at their heart and have compassion on the heart that is fighting Jesus right now. Because Jesus is looking at us like, man, you're lost. You're blind. You're lame. You're dead. And I want to give you life. The doors are wide open to preach the gospel. The fields are white unto harvest. And we are to be about our Father's business today. Today, man. We have no business actually outreaching. We have no business outreaching if we are not upreaching and inreaching in as individuals and as a church. And if that is happening, and I believe it is because I've, I've seen what God is doing in people's lives, then we have every opportunity to outreach. That should be part of who we are. That should be our life. I can't, I cannot always measure or see what you do when you're not here. I, I don't know how you are at work. I don't, I'm not with you at home. But who am I anyways to, to keep tabs on you? I don't know what happens in your personal life, but Jesus is there with you. He's going along with you. And let me tell you, I do know what happens here. I do know what happens here. I know what we offer here. I know what we teach here. I know what Pastor Gary teaches. I know what Pastor Daniel teaches. I know what Bill and Kathy are teaching our kids. I know what what Jacob and his leaders are teaching our youth. I know that. I know what, what Jerry Anderson is teaching our women and what Jeff Muse is teaching our men. I know those things. And so... I know that when you're going to be here, we're going to upreach and we're going to inreach. But we're going to be saying, let's go outreach. That's what we do here. I know what happens here. I know what our main vision is. And it will continue to be that. But you won't be alone when you're in here. (laughs) Now, we're together. We're a force to be reckoned with, man. When we collectively come together and if you tell me hey man i am going to go out there or god's calling me to go do this it's like you have your, our support man we will be right behind you i know that this is a good place to grow i know this is a good place to be in and the bible tells me as your pastor that i am to equip you for the work of the ministry and i will not be negligent in that i will study I will learn what the Word of God is teaching me so I can teach you. So say, let's go. (laughs) Let's go. But before I'm your pastor or a pastor, I am a disciple and I am a follower of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. And I know what He's called me to do, and that is go, therefore. I will lead the charge. (laughs) I will do what I, I can do. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go therefore, yet I will go therefore. But church, you got to know, <laughs> I am your biggest fan. I am your biggest fan, man. You tell me what you're doing, I will cheer you on to no end. I will do whatever it takes to say, hey, how can I help you? 
I know what Pastor Gary and, and Pastor Dan, I know what our, our leadership and our board will do for you. If you're saying, man, I, I think God's calling me, let's go for it. We'll pray this through, but we'll go for it. I am your biggest fan, guys. I'm always praying for you. Because I know what the Lord can do in you and through you if you let him. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I know it personally. I know it. And I know that he can do that in you. So go, therefore. Go. Tonight, we're getting together at 6 o'clock to worship the Father, to hear from Jesus from Matthew chapter 11, so you can read that, (laughs) and to seek his face in prayer. And we're going to go out of here in the power of the Holy Spirit. I can guarantee you that those who are here tonight, not again, man, you can do all that by yourself, but come and in-reach. Let's get strengthened together, man that we would fill this place and be on our faces as we worship, as we pray, as we hear from his word, and as we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Bring the whole family, every, every one of them. I don't care, all of them. No child care tonight. They're all going to be in here. Prepare your kids for tonight. You're going, uh, you don't understand. It's like, I do understand. I've had kids. I have grandkids. I want them all here. You know why? Because I want, I want your kids to see you worship. I want your kids to hear you pray. I want your kids to see you have the power of the Holy Spirit as you go out there and you're going, kids, this is the direction we're going. Dads, take charge. Take take charge. Grandpas, take charge. Say, this is the direction we're going, guys. I can guarantee you your family will be right next to you. So I want everybody here worshiping, hearing, seeking, and receiving the power. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord for your goodness, for your grace. Lord, you've given us a great commission, Lord. I know you've given it to all the church throughout history. You gave it to these 11, and they were faithful, Lord. And you've given it to to the churches throughout history, Lord. And so this morning, Lord, God, I believe that you have allowed me the privilege to share this conviction with the whole body because it wasn't just for me. It was for us, Lord God that we would go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, Lord, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching everyone to observe your commandments because you are with us always, even to the end, Lord. We thank you for that. Father, I pray, God, that you would just stir our hearts, Lord. Lord, that you would embed this vision in the hearts and lives of every person that calls themselves a believer this morning, Lord, in this room. That that however you want to use them, whether they're out in front or in the background, but that they would go. Blessed be your name, for you're worthy to be praised, Lord. And we honor you this morning. Go with us now, Lord. Prepare our hearts even for tonight, Lord. Lord, I'm just expecting you to move in such a powerful way, Lord. I'm excited, Lord, to see you move. In Jesus' name, amen.